Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to start at verse 7, but before we get going, I just want to pray, and then I want to give you a context of this passage so that we can understand Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 19, in the biblical context in which God is giving it to us, so that we can understand why this text is here. But first, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness and mercies. Lord, we are weak men and women. Um, Many of us this morning would be wrestling with physical conditions. We'd be wrestling with uh, some with anxiety of heart. Uh, Lord, all of us are wrestling in a world that is hostile to you, against the enemies that you you have shown us in your word, the, the world, Satan, and even our flesh. But Lord, we pray right now in Jesus' name, our strong intercessor, the great high priest who is seated at your right hand, and he's interceding for us. So, Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us, that you would speak to us your word, God, that you would fill us with hope. Those that are downcast right now, those that have no hope, those that are dry and barren, you seem so far away from them. Lord, would you have mercy and draw near to them? You are near to them, but may they feel your love. May their faith be encouraged and strengthened. May your church be built. Oh, Lord, I pray this with all my heart. And I thank you for giving me strength to preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we get into our text, I want to give you the context. Because we have to ask ourselves with every text of scripture, why is this scripture here? And and why are we speaking it this morning? And so this text that we're going to study in chapter 13, verses 7 and 19, is actually here to explain a commandment that we were given in chapter 12. So I want you to look briefly to chapter 12 and look at verses 28 and 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. The commandment to offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe is explained in chapter 13. So Hebrews chapter 13 verses 7 to 19 tells us how we can live a life of acceptable worship to God. It it, it answers this question, what does a life of acceptable worship to God look like? What does a life of acceptable worship to God look like? And you can change the next slide. That's the question that Hebrews chapter 13 is asking, is answering this morning. And, and so, and, and that speaks to all of us. How, how do you live your life? In light of God's command to be acceptable to him to worship him in a manner that is acceptable to him. How, how do we serve God? This word worship in Hebrews 12, 29 can also be translated serve. So, so the question, this question is being answered by our text. How do we worship God in a way that pleases God? How do we serve God in a way that pleases God? What, what does that life look like? And the reason that's such an important question to answer is because we find out 
in Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. Our God deserves our worship. Our God deserves us to live a life that is pleasing to him. He commands us to do it, and now he's going to tell us how to do it. So this couldn't be any more important. These are words that we all desperately need to hear. But I I want us to hear them. I, I want us to hear them with faith. So that we we not only hear God's words on how to live a life that is pleasing to him, but we hear God's voice saying, and I'm going to enable you to please me. I'm going to enable you to live a life that's acceptable to me, a life of acceptable worship to God. That's the life he wants to give every one of us. And that's the life that is described in our text in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 to 19. So let's read that now. Hebrews 13, 7 to 19. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us, Go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So what does a life of acceptable worship to God look like? Well, first, it looks like a life lived in the church. The bookends of this passage are verse 7 that speaks of the former leaders. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then look at verse 17. Obey your leaders. He's speaking here of present leaders. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. A life of acceptable worship to God is a life lived in the church. It's a life lived in the church. That's just assumed here in this passage. The bookends of this passage speak about leaders. And so a person 
whose life is acceptable and worships God in an acceptable manner is a person that, that is part of the church. But more than that, it's a person who relates properly to authority. It's a per- person who relates properly to the, to, the, to the leadership of that church. You'll notice in verse 7, the first thing that he says is, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. A, a life of acceptable worship to God looks to the pastoral leadership and considers what? Considers the outcome of their way of life and imitates their faith. Now, we were joking a little bit with Corey and... Um, you know, we, uh, Corey, I really didn't start off by thinking I was going to use you as an illustration. But as I studied and as I sought for illustrations, I felt like the Lord clearly spoke to me. Well, of course you're going to use Corey as an illustration because I use Corey as an illustration. Uh, leaders cannot get away from the fact that right here, a life that is acceptable, that gives acceptable worship to God, is a life lived in the church and a life that looks to leaders and imitates their faith, and considers the outcome of their way of life. Now, let me just say something very quickly. Notice carefully what that scripture says. It does not say imitate their way of life. It says imitate their faith. It says consider the outcome of their way of life. Huge, key difference. And when you skip over to verse 17, when it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. What you submit to is not the leader's way of life. It's not the leader's opinion. It's not the leader's authority. What you submit to is the leader who properly preaches this word. What you submit to is the word of God that is being preached by that leader. That's what we submit to. We, we imitate the faith of the leader. We consider the outcome of their way of life, but we imitate their faith. Key, key difference. Key difference. As leaders... We stand before you with, a, with a, really an awesome responsibility. That responsibility is to preach this word. As it says in verse 7, these leaders who spoke to you the word of God. And in verse 17, they speak, they, they, they watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Le- leader, leaders, leaders stand before you, we stand before you. Offering one thing and one thing alone. That is God's word. Faithfully preached. But for you to live a life of acceptable worship to God, God calls you to relate to leaders properly. It's it's crucial for all of us as we grow together. I believe that's the reason why leaders are under such great attack. I believe that's one of the reasons why why it says at the end of this section here in verse 18, pray for us. Pray for us. Because a life 
of acceptable worship to God can only be lived as one is rightly related to the church and rightly related to leadership and leadership is rightly preaching the word of God and we're rightly being examples. And Satan would love nothing better than to trash all of that. He would love nothing better than to focus and put the bullseye on leaders. And we are, we are very human. We are of like passions. <laughs> we are no better than anybody else. But we've been given a call. And so for that reason, oh friends, to live a life of acceptable worship to God, it's important that you are in the church and it's important that you rightly relate to leadership. It's rightly relating to leadership too. What does a life of acceptable worship to God look like? It looks like a life based on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Based on the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you will notice in verse 7 when he says to remember the leaders, who, those who spoke to you the word of God. In verse 8, he gives you the word of God that those leaders spoke. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, so to live a life of worship that's acceptable to God, not only do we relate to leaders properly, we're in the, the, the church, but our lives are based on Jesus Christ. Our lives are based on his person, and our lives are based on his work. So starting with the person of Christ, he's the eternal son of God. That's what, that's what verse 8 is saying when it says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always been the son of God. He will always be the son of God. He is the son of God today. It's interesting. He, he says, remember these leaders in verse 7. Most likely, those leaders were gone. Most likely, they were dead, and many of them possibly could have been martyred because of the faith. Those leaders were gone. Jesus remains. Jesus remains. So our life is not based upon people. It is based upon Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. And what did he do? What was his work? Jesus atoned for our sins. Jesus atoned for our sins. Here now we get into the section that's a little technical. Look at verse 9. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Now what he's saying there is, our hearts are strengthened by grace. Grace comes through Jesus Christ. Our lives are based upon Christ. Not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. The foods there is referring to the Jewish ceremonial law. So what he's saying is, a life of worship acceptable to God is a life that's based on Jesus, his person, and his work. Verse 10, we have an altar. So that is speaking of Christ's sacrifice for us. We as Christians, we as those who relate properly in the church and those who base our lives on the person and work of Christ, we have an altar. This is the altar of Christ from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. What he's doing there is he's contrasting the Christian who trusts in Christ's sacrifice with the Jew who trusts in the sacrifice of the temple. The sacrifice of the temple, verse 11 tells us, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places, the temple, by the high priest, the Jewish system, as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside the camp. You see, when it says here in verse um, 
10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. In the Jewish system, the, the, the Day of Atonement sacrifice, which is the comparison here between Jesus and the Day of Atonement sacrifice, that sacrifice was sacrificed on the altar in the temple, and you couldn't eat those animals. Those animals had to be taken outside of the city because they were filled with sin, and they were burned. And so what, what the author of Hebrews is saying is, those who live lives of acceptable worship to God eat from the altar because it's Jesus, and those who don't can't eat from the altar because he's referring to the Jewish system. Now look at verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Here we have this this comparison between the altar in the temple, the sacrifice in the temple, which cannot sanctify us, and Christ's sacrifice, which does sanctify us. So a life of acceptable worship to God is a life based on the person and on the work of Jesus Christ. He alone, he alone sanctifies us. That's what verse 12 says. No amount of of man-made religion. No amount of self-effort can sanctify us. It is Christ and Christ alone that sanctifies us. And as we live in his sanctification, we live lives that offer acceptable worship to God. This word grace is very important in Hebrews. When it says that Jesus is the grace of God to us, it is speaking of this theme, God's grace comes to us in Christ alone. This word altar is very important in the book of Hebrews. When it says the altar, we have an altar. It is, it is the altar of Christ, our great high priest. So what does a life of acceptable worship to God look like? It looks like a life that's based upon Christ, his person, the eternal son of God, and his work, sanctification on the altar. And then now look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. A life that bears the reproach of Christ is a life that worships God acceptably. You see, the Jewish Hebrew Christians at that time, they had to go outside of the city, outside of the Jewish religion, in order to come to Christ And they were being persecuted for it. Christ himself was sacrificed outside of the city. He was sacrificed not in a clean temple on a beautiful altar. He was sacrificed on a dirty hill, Calvary. And and, and so what the author of Hebrews is saying is that a life, a life that offers sacrifice, worship, acceptable to God, is a life that goes out to Jesus. It's a life that goes out of the system of this day. It's a life that goes out of where we're comfortable. It, it, was, it was hard for the Jews. It was very hard for the Jews to go out. They, they had all their friends in the synagogue. They had, they had their ritual for years and years and years was the Jewish faith. And suddenly, God's saying, if you want to live a life of acceptable worship to me, you must go out to that hill And it's at that hill where I will sanctify you. It's at that hill where I will make you acceptable to me so that you can then come and worship me. 
I can think of no greater illustration of this than Moses. If you'll recall in Hebrews 11, in the hall of faith, we, we read about Moses, one who went out and bore the reproach of Christ. If you'll turn to Hebrews eleven twenty four, Hebrews eleven twenty four. It says, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." Here's, here's, I think, the main point of this message. God calls you to live a life of acceptable worship to him. To do that, you must go out to Jesus. You must go out from the place where you're comfortable. You must go out without any fear of what man may do to you, but rather faith in what God has done for you outside the city. Moses had all the wealth of Egypt. Moses had it all. He was, the, he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But he saw something that was worth more than all of that. When it says the reproach of Christ in Hebrews 11, I believe he saw the cross. I believe he saw what Jesus could give him that no amount of wealth in Egypt could give him. And that is God's approval. And that is God's acceptance. And that is removing the wrath of God that he deserved. I believe that's what Moses saw. And so he went out in faith, seeing what Christ has done. And we're called to do the same. The Hebrew Christians were called to do the same. Difficult, difficult. They had to leave the the synagogue. They had to leave all of their social contacts. Many of them had to leave their families. And see, they were tempted, they, were, they had already gone out to Christ, outside the city, they were tempted to come back to Judaism. And the author of Hebrews says, don't go, don't, don't come back to Judaism, there's no life there. Acceptable worship to God is when we go out to Jesus. And some of us are tempted to come back. Some of us are tempted, we're tired of going out to Jesus. We get rejected, it's difficult, we're swimming upstream. The world, the world is not with us. Our own, our own flesh opposes us. And the, and the author of Hebrews says, a life that, that, that offers worship that is acceptable to God is a life that bears the reproach of Christ. Will you bear that reproach? Will I bear that reproach? I believe that's the call of God on us this morning as a church, that we would joyfully bear the reproach of Christ as we go out to him. So a life that offers acceptable sacrifice or worship to God, number four, is a life that confesses the word of Christ. Look at verse 15. Verse 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Now, let me see if I can fit in verse 15 with verses 13 and 14. In verses 13 and 14, a life that offers acceptable worship to God is a life that goes out to Christ. In verse 14, it tells us why do they go out to Christ? Because they see that they don't have a city in this earth. They're looking for a city, the city of God. 
You see, on this earth, we have an altar. We have a great high priest, but we do not have a city. So by faith, we go out. Now verse 15 says, by faith, we offer acceptable sacrifice. When we praise God, his word is in our mouth. Now I believe that's twofold. Number one, I believe that's the word of the cross. And I believe that's the word of the cross as we sing it, as we speak it on Sunday mornings, as we share with one another as believers. But number two, I also believe it's the word of the cross as we speak it to unbelievers. So a life of of acceptable worship to God goes out to Christ. And once we go out to Christ, once he sanctifies us, once, once he changes us, we're then able to come back and we're able to speak and confess the word of Christ to others. His praise is on our lips. He's qualified us to praise him in Christ. And number five, what does a life of acceptable worship to God look like? Well, it looks like a life lived in service to others. Here in verse 16, we have an echo of what Corey preached last week in verses uh, two and three. Verse two of Hebrews 13 says, do not neglect to show hospitality. Verse 16 Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are what? They're pleasing to God. Such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Faith, living a life that that offers acceptable worship to God is a life of generosity. Generosity to believers. It's It's a life of hospitality. Thank you. I believe, church, you are doing this. Keep doing it. It's, you're living this life of acceptable worship to God. My friends, a life of acceptable worship to God is a life of persistent faith. If you look at all of these, all of these qualities of a person whose life offers acceptable worship to God, every one of them requires faith. Faith that God is working in the church. Faith that Christ is the eternal son of God, though we cannot see him. Faith that his atonement on the cross outside of the city is our sanctification and not our works. Faith to go out and bear that reproach and speak that word to others. Faith to confess that word to one another. And faith to give. To give joyfully. A life, a life of acceptable worship to God is a life of faith. Isn't that what the scriptures themselves tell us in Hebrews 11.6? Hebrews 11.6 says the following. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Remember Moses? In Hebrews 11, it says that he went outside the city. He left the city of man. He left the riches of Egypt. He denied his status as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he, and he identified with the sufferings of Christ. He identified with the reproaches of Christ. It says he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. How could he do that? By faith, by faith. It says in Hebrews 11, because he saw, for he was looking to the reward. The reward wasn't 
intangible. He was already the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He already had all the wealth of Egypt. What he saw, I believe, was Jesus. And he saw the reward of Christ. And he saw that that was better. So he denied all the treasures of this earth. He went outside. He bore the reproach of Christ. He did not fear Pharaoh, the king. And what happened? In going out, he escaped not Pharaoh the king's wrath, but almighty God's wrath. Because when he went out, he met with God. And God sent him back in after he met with God outside the city in the desert. And he sent him back in as a holy man. And he sent him back in as the leader of Israel. And he sent him back in to deliver Israel. And on that night, on that Passover night, they, 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 they slaughtered a lamb. And they put the blood on the doorpost. And when the angel of death came, Moses was safe. And so today, God is calling us to go out. It looks foolish. It looks like we're going out of the strong city. It looks like we're leaving the winner here, Pharaoh. It looks like we're leaving riches, untold riches. But oh, friends, it's outside of the city of man in the city of God, a city not of this earth, that we receive sanctification. Listen, our God's a consuming fire. And he will consume. If you go outside of the city, on the, on the garbage heap, where, 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 the, where the filthy parts of these animals were burned, they were so filthy that had the sin of the people. If you go out there, and you cling to the cross, and you bear the reproach of Christ, then you know what? God will consume. He consumes Jesus. And he crowns you. And those who stay in the city, they will be consumed by the wrath of God, as Pharaoh was. We will be delivered as Moses and Israel were. I love this song. It's called Your Redeeming Love. And I'd like um, to see if we can put the words up there. It captures the essence of the message today. To go out to the place of Christ's reproach, outside of the city of man, outside of the safe confines of man's approval, to the place of God's approval. It's only at the cross, outside the city, that you can ever find God's approval. You'll find there God's release from his wrath. You'll find there God's righteousness. You will never find these in the city of man, dear friend. Look at the words once again of this song that we sang earlier. It speaks of offering God acceptable worship in reverence and awe as we persist in faith and his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Let me just go to the chorus. If you put the chorus up there. Great. I come boldly, trusting only your redeeming love. What are you trusting in this morning, friends? Are you looking outside the city and seeing by faith the one crucified there? Your redeeming love flowing freely from your side now. Your atoning love like a river, like a fountain, like a cleansing flood. I pour out my what? My worship. I pour out my life. The driving force of my life is worshiping God, is offering God acceptable worship. How? By going outside of the city, bearing the reproach of Christ, seeing by faith that I don't have a city in this world. I have one in the next but I trust the altar of Christ. Look at verse one. My glory in your cross of shame and suffering. My glory, what the world disdains is nothing. I will glory 
in such foolishness, I will glory, for it's nothing less than your wisdom and your awesome power, my God. Oh, friends, this is the confession that it's speaking of here in, these, in this text. It's speaking the truth here, even in the song. It's living a life of acceptable worship to God. And Look at verse 2. My glory in your deep humiliation. You found me, and you crowned me with salvation. I will glory. All my sin and guilt has been covered by the blood you spilt. And now I'm living in your resurrection light. Folks, let, let this glory be the glory we go out to. Yes, Yes, there is a reproach there. Yes, it is difficult. But, oh, friends, don't fear what man may do to you. Fear what God will do to you apart from Christ. And in doing so, you will persist in faith and you will offer to God acceptable worship and reverence and awe, for he's a consuming fire. Let's look to the glory. Let's be like Moses and see the reward. He saw the riches, but he had faith to see the invisible reward. And he chose the reproach of Christ. Amazing words in Hebrews 11, 26. 1,500 years before Christ even appeared. Oh, may we choose the reproach of Christ after he's appeared. After he's raised from the dead. May we go outside the camp, trust his sacrifice, his redeeming love. It's only found here in his place of reproach, the cross. It is only here that you and I can experience God's atoning love to cleanse us from our sins and crown us with his salvation as we embrace Christ's humiliation and ultimately his glorification and resurrection. Our God is a consuming fire. He consumed Christ on the cross so that he might crown us as we go out to him. His righteousness is found outside the city on the trash heap, on Calvary. And dear unbeliever, if you're here today, I don't know everyone that's here, if you do not know the Lord, I I pray that you would have heard the gospel this morning and that you would go in faith and bear the reproach of Christ. We believe that only God is able to give you that understanding I'm praying for it right now. And I'm appealing to you to call to God and ask for it. For Christ's reproach is where you will receive righteousness. Christ's cross is where your fears and your unbelief will dissolve. And you'll move from the city of man to the city of God. So church, let's go out together, shall we? Let's, let's now run to Christ together. Let's do what this passage says, confessing the, with our lips the praise, acknowledging the name of God. I want to conclude our time by singing another song. We sang it during our worship set. It's called God's Great Faithfulness. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's trust him, friends. Let's speak of this as we sing this song. Let me pray, and as I do, the worship team can come up. Father, thank you for your goodness this morning that you call us to live lives of acceptable worship to you. Lord, we we are called to live these lives of acceptable worship to you. And the only way we can do it, Lord, is by going out to the place of Christ's reproach. Lord, I thank you that you came, that you, Lord Jesus, you, 
You went to the cross despising the shame and the reproach of it. But doing it for the joy set before you. And part of that joy is is us this morning. I believe you saw us this morning. And we would bring joy to you this morning. That we're so grateful that you've given us a kingdom by your grace. Sovereignly, we did not deserve it. But now out of gratitude, Lord. Oh, Father, out of gratitude, we would offer to you acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Lord, we would live for you. Lord, we would, we would live to serve you. Lord, we would imitate the, the faith of godly men and women that have gone before us. Lord, we would, we would go out and bear your reproach. We would base our lives on Christ, your person and your work. We would confess your word. We would generously care for one another. We would gratefully, Lord, offer to you much praise. In Jesus' name, amen.